Welcome to the Beaver Bulletin, your new favorite weekly podcast from University University's The Tack. Here giving you all of the news and updates from the last week, I'm your host, Colin Imhoff, and don't forget to go check out all of the other great articles that The Tack has to offer. Let's see what's on the board for this week of November 1st, 2020. Today on the Bulletin Board, we've got a student-led GoFundMe for BBU's Ken Allen, the Day of the Dead celebration, and of course, the 2020 presidential election. All of that and more to come on this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, scroll on down to the description and you can go check out these articles for yourself. Now, to our first story. Our first story on the board has become a big story around Buena Vista University. Ken Allen, the man in charge of Sodexo at BVU, has been diagnosed with blood cancer. Tuesday, November 3rd, BVU junior Brandon Foster launched a GoFundMe for Ken on Twitter. I was able to sit down with Brandon and learn more about this idea. So, Brandon, I just wanted to know, um, I just want to know what really sparked the idea for the GoFundMe for, for Ken? Yeah, so, uh, the idea... Wasn't mine necessarily. Um, I'm part of a group here on campus called Impact, uh, a faith-based group here on campus. And we heard about what Ken was going through and we wanted to help out. So it was a collective idea. Uh, our, our faculty advisor is Dr. Uh, Dr. Hauser. So she talked to me about it and we jumped on it. Okay, what really made uh, you guys want to push for something like this for Ken? Well, I think... I think it ties into what the group is about itself and what BB is about um, as far as the group. So Impact is, again, a, a faith-based group here on campus. So we try to really support students and the BB community as a whole um, through different faith-based ideas. But a lot, of, a lot of the ways that we try to do that are just ways that you try to help anyone. And I think that's what this was about. We just wanted to be there for Ken. Um, we saw what he was going through. and we thought that it was important to try to support him. And he's done so much for the university. Um, he really goes all out, and you can really tell just seeing him in the serve that he has a real passion for what he does, and we appreciate that, and we wanted to pay it forward. Um, as far as the BB side of things, ever since I was a freshman, I've been hearing the words like education for service. And I think this fits the bill perfectly. I mean, I didn't necessarily get a degree in like electronic arts that allowed me to make this GoFundMe page for, uh, for Ken, but... We knew that we could help, and I think when there's a niche to be filled, filled like that, um, if you have the opportunity, then you should do something. And I think that's what this was kind of all about. I'm not sure how much you're aware, but do you know like what Ken's condition is and what exactly is happening with him? So I don't know all of the ins and outs. Um, I do know, and more of the details can be found on the GoFundMe page, but um, I do know that he is suffering from two different types of blood cancer right now. Um, so he's been to a few different doctors. I think he's, I think he's worked with the Mayo Clinic, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe he's staying in a hospice home with his wife, if I'm not mistaken, or a live-in, uh, medical, uh, observation home. But he is, I believe he's getting ready for another round of observations and appointments with his doctors. I know this might be a little hard, but do you think you can explain to the people maybe that haven't maybe met Ken just what Ken is all about and why everybody loves Ken so much. Yeah, so I, I don't know how long Ken's been at BB, but I've, I've seen him around since I was a freshman here, and I'm a junior now. And I think he really, 
I've been thinking about it a lot myself, getting ready to hopefully go into the workforce soon. Um, I think it's big to find something that you actually enjoy doing. And I think when you find that, it really shows. And that shows really well with Ken, um, the work he does in the serve. When I was, when we brought it up, we were thinking about how best to, how best to set this up. And we came to GoFundMe and uh, GoFundMe works a lot through your own social media and helping you connect with people that you actually know. Dr. Hauser asked me to use mine, which I didn't mind, but I didn't realize how many more people would see it using an account of a BB student that people know. So students that go here see it, uh, professors see it, students who have graduated see it, and they're all sharing it. I think the biggest thing was just to help Ken in any way possible. Um, BB is a really tight-knit community, and I think Impact, and I think all of BB, I think it's safe to say, is really big on taking care of our own. At the moment, the GoFundMe has raised around $5,000 with more than 100 donors and 400 shares. Ken is truly a beloved member of this community, and I want to give a big thanks to Brandon, Impact, and anyone else who has donated. If you want to donate, the link to the GoFundMe will be in the description. Next up on the board is the city of Storm Lake's concern with a possible undercount in the most recent U.S. Census. The undercount seems to be overlooking a lot of minorities as Storm Lake is one of the most diverse places in Iowa. According to the census, the Storm Lake population is an estimated 10,322, which would be a 3% decrease from 2010. City Councilwoman Maria Ramos is sure that this is an undercount. How can the school district be expanding due to overcrowding, and how can places like Tyson be adding hundreds of jobs if the population is dropping? Unfortunately, Storm Lake is too small of a town for the undercount to be reported. Many Storm Lake officials think the undercount is around by a third, but that is just a guess. The count this past year was quite difficult as the coronavirus pandemic made it more difficult for the census takers to be in constant communication. With Storm Lake also being a hotspot for the coronavirus, census takers had less time to count than usual. Storm Lake City officials such as Ramos are now patiently awaiting the final numbers from the census, praying that a lot of the major minority groups in Storm Lake were counted. Now to our third story on the board with Iowa City Police de-emphasizing secondary traffic violations. The Iowa City Interim Police Chief, Denise Brotherton, had made a plan to help fix the disproportionate policing of black residents in the city. The plan involves no longer stopping people based on violations such as defective vehicle equipment or jaywalking. Instead, Brotherton wants to focus on violations like seatbelt use, brake lights, and speeding. These violations are primary traffic violations as they directly impact traffic safety outcomes. This will be an experiment for the ICPD as Brotherton hopes to collect data to find out how this affects productivity. Brotherton believes this will make the ICPD more productive with less time wasted with these minor violations. She also believes this is an important piece in regaining society's trust in police by making the overall public safety a priority. Brotherton wants the community to trust ICPD and for ICPD to do its duty. By decreasing the unnecessary police interactions and highly prioritizing public safety, this little traffic issue could be a trend to many other departments in the future. Moving to number four on the board with this year's Day of the Dead celebration. The Day of the Dead, or Dia de los Muertos, is a Mexican holiday associated with Catholic All Saints Day. Dia de los Muertos took place on November 1st and 2nd, and if the name didn't already give it away, the entire point of the holiday is to honor the memory of the dead. This year was very special with so many dead due to the coronavirus pandemic. The National Museum of Mexican Art in Chicago, who normally has an exhibit for the holiday every year, has gone virtual with an exhibit that pays tribute to many that have died from the coronavirus. 
In the past, the museum has honored people that died in natural disasters and those who died trying to cross the border. It was very important that the museum keep this tradition going as so many other traditions have already been put to a stop this year. Dia de los Muertos is all about family, friends, and community. In the time of a pandemic, these things become even more important. If you'd like to go on a virtual tour of the National Museum of Mexican Arts Dia de los Muertos exhibit, the link will be in the description. Coming to our fifth story on the board with a man who died from coronavirus still winning the election in North Dakota. A Republican man named David Andal unfortunately died due to COVID-19 in early October. However, that didn't stop Andal from winning the spot in the House of Representatives in the 8th District of North Dakota. Andal was a Trump Republican and was endorsed by North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. Andal was 55 years of age when he died on October 5th, less than a week after being admitted to the hospital for coronavirus. According to the CDC, North Dakota has the highest per capita COVID rate in the country. The CDC has the rate at more than 150 cases per 100,000 people. According to the Grand Folks Herald, it was decided that if Andal won the state, the GOP would find a replacement in the same party for his seat. This is not the first dead man to win an election, as back in 2018, a similar situation happened in Nevada. Luckily, there haven't been any other reports of dead people winning any other election, so hopefully all of the winning representatives will get to serve out their term. The final thing on the board is, of course, our event of the week, the 2020 presidential election, and at the time of this recording, no decision has been announced. November 3rd was election day and the race to 270 had begun. As expected, a lot of controversy ensued during the election. On the night of November 3rd, Donald Trump tweeted out claiming his big win. He received a lot of backlash as most states had not counted their absentee ballots. There were a very large amount of absentee ballots in many states as they were heavily encouraged due to the pandemic. Absentee ballots were predicted to heavily favor Biden while Trump was predicted to be the favorite in the in-person voting. With that, a recount has been demanded for both Wisconsin and Michigan, as social media rumors have circled saying that Wisconsin has more votes than they have registered voters, and Michigan having more than 140,000 votes coming in overnight that were all for Biden. With these controversies, it is unlikely that we will get an official announcement before next week. However, the race is still very close and could still go either way. Either way, it is good to see an increase in the voter turnout rate as the state of Iowa has the third highest turnout rate in the country. That's all on the bulletin board for this week, folks. Make sure to come back next week for more great stories and updates. Remember, if any story interested you and you would like to read more, links to all of the articles are in the description. Also, don't forget to go check out more of the great articles that the TAC has to offer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. I'm your host, Colin Imhoff, and I'll see you all next week.